An interview with Jason Collat, head football coach at Mead High School in Mead, Colorado. Today, on the Ultimate Ground Rules. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules, a podcast built specifically to encourage, empower, and strengthen the faith of coaches as they live out their God-given purpose to develop the next generation of leaders. And now, your host, Dave Pritchard. Hello and welcome to The Ultimate Ground Rules. I am your host, Dave Pritchard. Thank you for taking your time out of your day and joining us on the show. If you like what you hear, as always, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Today, we branch out a little bit. It's a busy time of year for many baseball coaches, so I recently sat down with Jason Klatt, head football coach at Mead High School in Colorado. Jason hits it out of the park as he discusses the importance of love and service in his program, as well as the power of prayer in the role of a coach. So grab a pen and paper and take notes as the Ultimate Ground Rules presents to you, Jason Klatt. So I'm with Jason Klatt today. He's the head football coach at Mead High School in Colorado. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you don't mind, here here at the beginning, just tell us a little bit about Mead and the high school and, and your situation. Well, I became the head football coach in 2012 at Mead High School, where at the time it was a school of about 700 kids, and we've grown to be about 1,100. Um, We're in the class 3A, which is about middle of the road in the state of Colorado, and um, we've had eight years of of football at Mead. We're we're a new school. We opened in 2009, um, and I became, became the head coach in 2012, so and we've had some good success, uh, some great success over the last couple of years and um, real interesting community. Um, it's small town, but yet we're right in the middle of, um, you know, we're close to Denver and we're only a 45 minute drive from from anywhere else really that you want to go to in Colorado. So we're in the middle of things, but yet we're still kind of small town and we get some great kids and great families at Mead, and it sure has been a privilege to be the coach at Mead. Cool. So you have the, the privilege and the honor. You're the first uh, non-baseball coach that I've interviewed. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so I'm interested in just some of the differences, some of the answers, and just I'm really interested in, in the difference of handling. I mean, you guys typically handle a lot more a lot more players, you know, a higher number of players than, than baseball coaches do. So just in the management of that. But first, just a little bit about about yourself and just philosophy. You know, how do you see your faith shaping uh, your role as a coach? Um, well, I, I, uh, I, I played baseball for a long time and coached baseball for 12 years, Dave. So we're not that, we're not that far off, man. So maybe you didn't venture that far out anyway, but I try, yeah. I try not to tell people that um, because in the football world, they go, what, you know, you did what, you know? So, but um, our, our philosophy at meat is just simple. I'm about being simple. And what we want to do is we want to love, serve and care for our players. And really when that, what that boils down to is we want to love and serve and care for the, for the hearts of our players. Um, And so, I mean uh, I was just reading in, 
in Galatians 5 about, you know, the, the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And um, just how, how God has, has kind of shed his love on us. And so we want to, in turn, try to reciprocate that to our kids. And we know, you know, we, we have a lot of kids at Mead. There's 95 or so in the football program. Uh, one year I had 128. So it is that we have 19 coaches, a um, lot, lot of management. But when you love and serve and care, um, for the for the hearts of, of your players, um, I found that over the course of time that those management problems really kind of go away. Um, your kids understand what your intentions are, and your parents understand what the intentions are. And you know, you you can honestly develop a culture of love around your program to where kids are genuinely caring about other kids that they know nothing about or that they're totally different from. So we've tried to, you know, not only adopt that philosophy, but we've tried to really live it um, at Mead and it's led to some good success. But uh, the success really is, is uh, you know, should go to God and the, the glory be to God for what has happened at Mead. That's totally cool. So, you know, as a coach, you personally, who would you consider – to be some of your mentors, whether that be, you know, just growing up or, or in your more so recently as you, as you become a coach and, you know, from both the standpoint of a football or, or athletics and also just your life spiritually, who are, who are some of your mentors? Well, my dad was a head football coach at, at a big five, a school um, in Denver in Arvada, Colorado for uh, 20 plus years. And, um, so, and he was always my, my number one mentor. I grew up riding buses with him and watching him coach and watching him really serve and care and love for players. And then throughout the course of his life, watching players come back and the genuine love that they had for my dad, um, was, was amazing. And, and it still is today. He drives an hour and a half each day to coach football with us at Mead. Um, just to be with me and and he still has it man he's he's a guy this is his 44th year I think of coaching football and he can love and care and serve for players better than he did in 1975 and I don't really know how he does it but just watching him is uh, mesmerizing for myself and our coaches he's been a he's really the reason why I'm in this profession and doing what I'm doing um, and then we have a pastor that came from Tennessee. His name is Bruce Hendrich and um, that is at Grandview Church uh, that we go to and meet. And he just started a church out in here. And his whole thing was to love and serve and care for our neighbors. And he just started doing that. And I meet with him every week and I've made him a part of the football team. He comes to the comes to each game, he comes to team dinners. And so it's been it's been really cool to have him around and my dad around you know, I can't really go, go wrong with those two guys in, in the, in the mix. Yeah. That's gotta be really cool coaching with your dad. That it's, it's been phenomenal. And we keep thinking, uh, my dad was a Marine. Um, he, he was at fought in Vietnam and, um, <clears throat> has leukemia from agent orange. And, um, and this happened, uh, 15 years ago. 
and uh, or he developed that in his body 15 years ago. And you would never think the guy has anything. I mean, he doesn't even care. He just he and and every day is honestly a, a honor and a privilege to be able to serve next to him and to watch him do what he does. And so, you know, it's uh, it's amazing. That's really cool. So I, I will tell you one thing that I admire. I mean, this probably says a lot about me personally, but one thing I admire about football coaches is the fact that you have to wait a week to play. And, you know, the mental – mentally, I don't know how you do that. Uh, you know, because in baseball, if we have a rough outing, we come back tomorrow and we play. And so you, you've got to deal with, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows, and then sit on your hands – you know, and go through a week of practice before you get to get back on the field. So, you know, what are some what are some scriptures that you cling to just in your role of a coach to deal with those ups and downs and just the everyday, you know, day-to-day operations? Well, um, <clears throat> that is an interesting thing. And me playing – I played baseball for a long time. And um, it, it was – I think it was difficult. But me watching my father go through that was – was really good too, that I didn't know any different. You know, you, you kind of, I, I think football coaches would tell you that we need that much time. We need that much time mentally and physically to recover and get ready to go with game plans and everything that's involved in it to get ready to go for the next week. Um, but I think more than anything during that week, it's really awesome in order to, you know, or, or to be able to, um, sit down and have a Bible study with the coaches on Thursday morning and to kind of rejuvenate yourself. Um, we were going through Acts and just, you know, um, in Acts 17, actually, Paul is talking about, um, he's talking to the, to the it's a new, new church. Um, and he's talking about how that God knows the day and the time um, the, and where you live um, on this earth and, um, and what you will be doing on this earth. And so that, that is, uh, he said he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And so just the, just the coming to the realization that God gives us life and breath and everything else. And from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so we feel like that, you know, that it's it's kind of that God has put us here for a reason um, at this specific time in history and the boundary of our lands are being made and that we are here to, uh, you know, um, to serve and to love people as God did and to show them who who God is. So um, I think in that week time, you know, it's really good for me because it allows me to kind of rejuvenate, refresh and get recharged and ready to go. And then it's amazing every single Friday night, man, you're you're O and O. It's like the season just started and you're ready to go, you know, regardless of what happened last week. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a different thing, but a thing that we love. So you talked about loving and serving and. You know, that try, trying to be the, I guess, the core value of your program and what you do as a staff. So what are some things that you feel like you do in your program that maybe are unique or just things that, that you really try to focus on to accomplish that task? 
Well, <clears throat> I mean, loving is, is probably the easiest one, you know, in terms of just putting your arms around kids and being able to come around them good, bad, or indifferent, and just being able to just love them where they're at. Uh, the serving thing is really where we where we roll up our sleeves. That's when we start getting dirty with them. We we will uh, we do tons of community service in and around the town of Mead, and uh, you know and this happens all year round from elementary reading projects that we send kids into the elementary to just love and serve and care for the elementary kids to Mead community days where we're serving over a thousand meals at that, and our players are serving those meals. Um, to the therapeutic writing center, we, we donate our time to go down there and to shovel manure so that people can, uh, ride horses that are disabled. It's just, and so I really try to hammer into our kids that life is not about them, that it's about serving others first. And so that message permeates, um, through our program. And I think when they graduate and they leave, uh, we, we, I never tell them that. I always tell them that they're being sent from Mead High School to go do great things. That one of the things that they can take with them is that they have at least they at least understand the concept of serving somebody else. Kind of giving them a purpose beyond them. Yeah. Right, and it, it's uh, my dad used to do this thing about um, Jesus and the Last Supper and how he he washed the disciples' feet. And that's really the kind of the, the basic message that we go for, um, <clears throat> that Jesus was, you know, here's a guy who, uh, you know, was God and went to the cross and died for our sins and did everything for me, but yet he's kneeling down and washing the feet of others, um, which is an amazing picture to think about. And that's kind of what we, that's, that's, you know, embodies, I guess, love and serve and care for our players. Yeah, and you may you may have answered my next question already, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. One thing that I feel like I'm on the front lines as a coach in battling is is an is identity crisis. And and what I mean by that is, you know, trying trying to get players to understand they get so wrapped up in I'm a baseball player or I'm a football player that that they're sometimes guilty of that's how they identify themselves. And just as much as the player, it's, I've noticed that it's a parent problem too, uh, in terms of, you know, I'm the football parent, I'm the baseball parent, my kid's a baseball player. That's how people know me. Uh, so, so how do you go about getting the message across to players that there's more to you as an individual than being a football player? Well, it's, it's interesting. You said that, um, I'm actually, uh, going to Alabama in March to speak at a at a convention and a church, mm-hmm. and my message is going to be about identity. Um, and so that has become that that's been a major struggle in my life personally, with just getting over. You know, there was a time in my life when I was a baseball player, and there was a time in my life when I was a coach, and there was a time in my life when I was you know whatever it may be, you know, I was, I was, it was, you, you get wrapped up. I think everybody struggles with it. They, they, their identity is with their, their stuff, their money, their job, their spouse, their whatever, you know, and I see that as a major problem. And we, we are on the front lines out here in Colorado with kids that, that are so depressed that they're hurting themselves at a rapid rate. 
And so the identity crisis is, is far more out here, I, I, I feel like. And I, but I think it's, it's everywhere. Um, so one of the things that, that we try to do is, you know, I, I feel like when we give them a purpose and we teach them how to serve, um, you know, they, they really begin to develop a, a different identity of, okay, maybe I, there is a purpose out here for me. And then I think more so than anything, when I can get them connected right. to something bigger than themselves, and that's what the football program is. First um, Peter 2, 9 um, talks about our identity, and he says that God chose us, that we're a chosen people, um, a holy nation, God, God's special possession. In 1 John 3, 1, it talks about God's great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So we're child, we're we're children of God. Um, and in Jeremiah 1 5, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It's pretty amazing to think that the Creator Himself knew us before we were we were even in the womb. Um and I try in a public school education setting to go there as much as I can, given the parameters that I'm under. So, yeah. Um, and I'm always trying to learn from coaches, too, about how they do it and what they, you know, the different avenues and ways that they go about it. But just pumping them full of truth and what God tells them about, about them and their purpose here on this earth is just critical, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's pretty awesome, man. I, I'm right there with you. I think that uh, you know, you just look at the culture today, and and they're 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 scrambling to understand what truth really is. Yeah, and there's so much of truth is now everything, right, Dave? I mean, it's anything. I mean, you could go over here and you can find truth, and you can go over here and find truth, and we have so much, so many conveniences about our life that 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 hey, man, it's just about being a good person and being. You know, and if we do that and we can, then, we, then we're good. And we, we really live in that day and age now where right. um, that's kind of the message that our kids are being fed and they're being fed uh, a bunch of junk from a lot of places and our parents too. I, I couldn't agree with you more what you said about that, about, you know, as a parent, my identity now is through my kid. Right. So I'm doing all this stuff to promote them and make them look good and, enable them and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, parents are really struggling with their identity too, about what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to be a parent. <laughs> I feel. Well, to be honest with you, I think it, I mean, it's a, it's a Romans one world, you know, where yes. they, they, the kids or the parents or, or anybody, they, they know that this, what they're being told about truth is not right. But, you know, we choose to live in a way to where we think we can live without consequence and, and do what, you know, do what we want to do. But the remarkable thing about that is, you know, for lack of a better phrase, when the crap hits the fan, you know, everybody knows that that that, that that's not real truth. You know, right. and that's when they begin to really seek and seek out real truth. And I think, you know, like you said, I think I think we're on the front lines and we've got to do everything we can to try to be proactive. and. Yeah, well, I just think, you know, the frustrating part about a coach, I've talked about this with a lot of people, you know, is you've got to hit the ground every day 
knowing that you're doing the right thing because you may not see results for 15 years. You know, you, how many times have you sat there and thought, man, is this kid ever going to get it? And he may leave your program and you maybe still be asking that question. But a decade down the road, you're like, oh, man, he finally got it. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I've lived that. Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. Um, and I, I couldn't, I mean, be more in the in the mode of ministry flows through prayer and flows through being in the word. And so the more I am in that and the more I am praying for our guys and our coaches and our players, the more crazy stuff God does. And the more I'm not and I'm not intentional about it, the more I don't see stuff that's happening. And all of a sudden, you know, our, you know, um, so I couldn't agree with you more with that. And a lot of times God doesn't answer prayer for 15 right. years. So some kid will come back and, you know, I'll never forget that the, the, uh, if I could tell a short story, just real quick, Dave. Um, I, I, I know you're a baseball coach. So we were in the state championship game, um, and I can't remember, 07, something like that. And we lost the state championship game at shortstop, kicked the ball, and and we lost it. And um, I've been there before and done that before, and he was distraught after the game. And, I'll, and I just kind of barely remember it, but I, I just remember going up to him and kind of hugging him. And it, guys didn't want to talk to him. You know that. Everybody's got the plague when you do that, and you know. And I put my arm around him and said, hey, buddy, love you, man. I said, I'll go to battle with you any day. You know, I said, keep your head up. And that was about it. That was the extent of it from what I remember. And, you know, 10 years later, he comes into my office at Mead High School as the lead FCA leader for Northern Colorado. And he said, I can't believe, you know, that you, you know, I'll never forget what you said to me on that field and where it's led me. His parents are non-believers. He was a not, he was a renegade kid in high school. And I sat there and went, Oh my goodness. Like I cannot believe this kid. And now he just took a, one of the lead positions for FCA organization in Austin, Texas. Um, but you know, sometimes God works in crazy ways, you know, and I wasn't praying for him at the time, but I tell you this, I sure, sure do now. You know, um, yeah. Well, I think, too, that's just proof of, you know, what I have learned the more that I have coached is the things that are most impactful and the things that your players remember the most are, at the time to you, seem like the least significant thing. Yes. And so, you know, if that's the truth, then it's important to go back to that word you used, intentionality, about every word you speak. And, uh, you know, not taking any moment for granted. Right. Um, I'm curious about, you know, 95 players and how, you know, what are some ways I know you've got position coaches and, and, and that thing, but you know, how do you go about managing, you know, being intentional with 95 guys and, and trying to get to know 95 players? Well, I used to try to do all of it. And then I figured out real quick that I, I was doing nothing because I was trying to do everything. So I have become a real good delegator and I have become in a, 
in a place where when I have a meeting with coaches, I try to be as clear and concise and as simple as I possibly can to convey the message that you own these 10 players and you love them and you care for them and you serve them. Um, and when we do that, it helps, you know, cause we have 19 coaches and you can kind of break the kids up, but we also have a study hall time where for 45 minutes, I have them alone and I, we literally have 95 kids. And so I will pick out a group of kids, you know, one day, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, I'll go to a different group of kids every day and just kind of check in with them and just love them and see what's happening with them. And, you know, um, it's led to some really good stuff where we do not talk about football. All we do is talk about life and that we study and we make sure their grades are in order. So that has helped also. Um, and then we've created a little mentorship program where we have our older kids mentor our younger kids. So every younger, every underclassman has a mentor, um, an upperclassman that kind of helps them and guides them and directs them and teaches them the culture of meat football and what we do and the culture of how we, we treat and interact and act to, to all out there, whether it's the, the kid that gets picked on in third grade science or, you know, third hour science or, or the popular kid, we try to treat, treat them all the same. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's good. That's good. Uh, I, I appreciate that, that information. So you're, you're the head football coach at Mead high school and you, you've got all this put into place and a, a kid goes through your program for four years you know, it's the end of May or 1st of June. He's walking across the stage at graduation. He gets his diploma. What do you hope to have accomplished with that individual? Well, I, again, going back to what I what I tell them at the end of the year is, you know, I, I tell them that they're not leaving Mead High School, that they're being sent to go do great things. So I would hope that they would understand and know how to love and serve and care for others. Um, and you know, first and foremost, those, those things, I would also hope that they understand and know how to work hard. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that I, I, my hope for them is that they recognize and understand that their, their potential of what God has given them and who they are in Christ and they can go out and they can be sent to all nations to go do, go do great things. That's, that's my hope. Um, I'd like to say that it happens with all, but you and I both know that that is not reality. So we have a lot of work to do, but, um, you know, I, I, I would hope that they're leaving as better, better men than they were when they came in. Yeah, that's that's a great answer, man. I I really like that. I'm being sent out. That's a basically that's a great commission mindset. Uh, you know, and a lot of people will ask, well, how does a great commission apply to me? And so, if you're a coach listening, I mean that that answers that question. <laughs> right. At, that's. I mean, that's. I don't want them to leave. You know. And yeah, of course, we we have three kids. No, four now. Four that have come back into our program to coach with me. And oh, that's, man, that's awesome is that when you get start getting that going on and I tell them, you know, I want, I want them to be sent to other communities and other places, but if they come back to me, 
just make sure that they've they've made a million dollars first and come back and give back to the meat football program. No, I'm just, um, but, uh, you know, when they come back, though, and, and share with you and pour back into the culture, and when you don't have to teach them the culture because they already know it, that that's yeah. really powerful when that happens. I'm sure you've had that happen, too. Yeah, that's cool. I actually have a junior, a kid that's about to be a junior in college, and, you know, that's the goal. Uh, he's, he wants right. to be an English teacher. And so I'm pretty confident that I can get a job for an English teacher. That's <laughs> and, uh, cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to that day. That's got to be really special. Uh, so this one question that I like to to ask, you know, with other coaches listening, and and in particular the target being young coaches, you know, a lot fall into this trap of, you know, if if I can get a better job or if I can get to you know this certain situation, I'm not going to have to deal with you know X, Y, or Z, and that kind of grass is greener mentality. But, you know, the longer you do this, I think you understand that, you know, every place has its own problems, Mm -hmm. you know, and there is no such thing as this perfect job. And so you, you can be as open and as honest as you want, as, as limited or as broad, but, you know, what are some of the biggest struggles that you've had as a coach and, and how did you deal with them? Well, I think identity first is one of the biggest things we struggle with just in terms of record, you know, everybody, every year is what's your record coach. What are you, how are you going to be? What are, what are you guys going to do? Are you guys going to win this? Are you, you know, and so you begin to be known by your record. And if you don't win, then people don't follow you and you don't get kids and all that. There's this slippery slope that you go down to. So, um, but I, I, identity with your record has been a big one. Um, I had to reach a real breaking point in 2017 when we were ranked number one in the state um, for eight consecutive weeks and we were just rolling people up and we lost in in the playoffs and I was almost asking God why why did we why you know those questions Um, and we had each one of our our seniors um, came to my door on a Sunday on a Sunday and uh, it was the day after we lost and they knocked on my door and there was 27 of them sitting out on my porch and they literally came in and hugged me and said, love you coach. And <laughs> it was like a slap in the face that I I was sulking and I was feeling pretty, pretty bad about myself. And it was like all of them knew my identity, but not me. So I've struggled with that and I had to get over that stuff and realize now that what God calls me to do is um, to go pour into these kids and to pour truth into these kids, and so that's that's been um, that's been a major shift for me. Um, the str- the other struggle that you get into is this, and I'll just be open and honest. It's this. Well, now we've had some success, so guess what? These other teams want me. These other schools want me. They're going to call me, and they're they're seeking me out. So I get two, three, four calls every year about me going to this place and that place. And you know what? If they don't start treating me better where I'm at, then I'm just going to skip over over to this side of town and I'm going to go take them. And you get into that mode as a coach where you think that really the success that you have had is a result of, of yourself. <laughs> and that could not be further from the truth um, that the success that – is happening in a program is because God has allowed that to happen, number one. And the other thing is 
is um, that, you know, and this is a big one. I've already talked about it. But in Acts 17, it talks about how God gave us everything. He gave us a life, our breath, our everything. And he marked out our appointed dates and times in history and gave them the exact places where we should live. And so I'm I'm supposed to be in meat. I know that. And I'm not supposed, and he's not telling me in the Bible that, hey, you know what? If they don't treat me right, I need to run out the door and I need to head to the next town because they got a good football gig over there. And then I can go over there and do that. He's telling me that he has placed me here for a reason. And I know specifically that he has. And he's telling me that I need to bear fruit right here in my, in this community. That's awesome. (laughs) That, uh, man, I appreciate that. Honestly. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Um, Because I think those are two things that, that are not unique to an individual. All coaches deal with that. No doubt. Right. And especially if you have, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of coaches that, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm no different. I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm a sinful dude, man. Um, Is that they start winning and, and this pride wells up in them to where they almost change and turn. And they're, you know, they become so prideful about what, and they really think the the success is because of what they have done. Um, And you know, I pray, I pray daily that I don't, I don't get to that place uh, ever that, that God will humble me, um, <laughs> uh, you know, as, uh, you know, so yeah. Yeah. That's a scary prayer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so it's 2019 and you've done this for a while. Um, so as, as you look at the landscape and just the players that you've dealt with, what do you think that the high school football player or the high school athlete needs most from a coach? Where we're at right now, they need love more than anything. They are, they are not getting that at home. They're not getting that through parents and they are being, you know, their acceptance and approval is gained through all sorts of stuff. If they score five touchdowns, man, I'm really good. And if I score nothing, I'm terrible. And they just need to be loved where they're at. And regardless of any any sort of performance. And I think that's where we get into the mode as a coach that we we want to, we literally, our attitude ebbs and flows with how the kid is perform performing for us. So if the kid is, you know, if he's hitting 500 and – you know, he's winning games for us, man. We're all about it. Johnny, come to my office. We're going to have lunch together and we're going to hang out. And, you know, and uh, I, I just think the kids need to be loved no matter what in their screw ups, in their successes, in their good times, in their bad. Um, I think in 2019, it's the one thing that we are missing the boat on big time. And um, when you do that, it's amazing how a kid's guard comes down. And they begin to be like, you know, they start saying things like, I love you too, coach, you know, which is, which is a powerful, you know, interaction with a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's affirming, I guess, you know, when you, if you can get to that point, you're like, man, I'm really making some progress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last, last question I'll ask you, you, you can, you can have the floor. I, I, in the, interview by just giving the the coach the floor and 
if we have any young coaches that are listening, what is uh, one or two pieces of advice that you wish you had known that you can offer to some young coaches? Um, I have started systematically reading through the Bible, and I wish so bad that I would have done that when I was a young coach. And what I said earlier about ministry flows through prayer and through being in the Word. And our job really is we are, um, you know, that's that's who we are. We're ministering to young kids and so and mentoring them. Um, and I, th- I believe we're, we'll be held held accountable for that. So I, I just think that as a young coach, I would do everything in my power to get in the word of God daily and, you know, and gain as much knowledge about who God is, because that is the beginning of, of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and knowing him, those two things. And so uh, the more you do that, the, the more, the, the more, you know, God showers wisdom on you. And it's amazing what then happens in your program through God, not, not, not of your own doing or things like that. And yeah, God wants us to work hard and he wants us to do, do right and all that stuff. And we're going to work hard. But at the end of the day, you, you know, pray diligently for the kids in your program and open the Bible and read it every day. Um, and you'll be amazed at what happens in, in, in the program. The program almost will bear fruit to where people will see Jesus through your program. And that is powerful. Man, well, Coach, I appreciate the wisdom. And I know that you're a busy man, as all coaches are. So just thanks for the time. No, thank you. And thank you for doing this. This is one of the coolest things I've ever I've ever seen um, done. So keep up the good work. And if you ever need anything, let me know. Thanks again for joining us on the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many coaches as possible with a word of encouragement. Never forget your job is important. God loves you and he has a plan for you. Continue to build tomorrow's leaders and stand firm in the faith.